So in addition to hosting this podcast, you know I'm also a restaurant coach, so I work with owners and operators all over the world to help them improve the profitability of their restaurant. I'm also a contributing writer for Bar and Restaurant Magazine. I'm the author of the upcoming book. It's called The Restaurant Marketing Mindset. That will be out this fall. More details to come very, very soon. But I'm also a public speaker, so I travel all around the country speaking to rooms filled with owners and operators at trade shows, at expos, at different conventions. And last week was one of the biggest shows of the year. It was Bar and Restaurant Expo. It takes place in Las Vegas every March, and it is a party. It is awesome. Last year, I gave a talk out there. I was invited back this year. I gave two different talks, and I also podcasted live from the floor. You might have heard episode 227. That's where I shared a bunch of lightning, uh, lightning round interviews, where I interviewed people for about 10 minutes each to ask a bunch of uh, quick questions, uh, and I think we got a lot of really great answers, but one of the questions that I asked everybody was, uh, what are some of your key takeaways from the show, and most importantly, how are you going to implement those takeaways? So on today's episode, I want to share some of my key takeaways, the things that I took away from the show, being there, being in Las Vegas, uh, listening to the people that I heard talk, I'm, I'm giving my talks and, and talking to people afterwards. There's a lot that I came away with. I've had a couple of days now to distill my learnings and I want to share those with you. Most importantly, I want to help you implement what I learned. I'm going to pass that along and help you implement that in your business. Tons of actionable insights on today's episode of Restaurant Strategy. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast with answers for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a podcast dedicated solely to helping you build a more profitable restaurant. We cover marketing, we cover operations, we cover everything in between. Each week, I leverage my 20 plus years in the industry to help you build that more profitable and more sustainable business. I also work directly with operators all over the world through my P3 Mastermind program. What are the three P's? They stand for profit, process and progress. So if you've got a busy restaurant but struggle to generate consistent, predictable 20% profits month after month, then set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. I'll get to learn more about you and your restaurant. You'll get to ask some questions about the program to see if you're a good fit for the program. Visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. That link is in the show notes. Again, a free call by visiting restaurantstrategypodcast.com slash schedule. Looking to take your hospitality and events business to the next level? Look no further than Triple Seats Event Camp Conference. Held in Boston on Wednesday, May 3rd, Event Camp is the only conference geared towards event managers at venues. Join Triple Seat for an unforgettable one-day, one-track conference packed with industry expert speakers, panels, networking opportunities. You'll have the chance to connect with like-minded professionals from event planners and venue managers to caterers and vendors. With various speakers and panels all geared towards hospitality and private events, you'll leave with practical knowledge and actionable insights to take your business to the next level. Take advantage of this opportunity to learn, connect, and grow with the very best in the industry. Register now before it sells out. Visit tripleseat.com slash eventcamp for more information and to purchase tickets. Again, tripleseat.com slash eventcamp. That link is also in the show notes. Okay. 
So like I said, last year I was a speaker at Bar and Restaurant Expo. This year I was invited back. I actually gave two different talks and I was invited to podcast live from the uh, trade floor. Uh, that episode you heard on Monday, it's episode 227. If you, for whatever reason, skip that one, go back. It's actually a lot of fun. There's a lot of insights in a, in a very a bunch of very short little uh, episodes. And one of the things I asked all the uh, people that I sat down with was, what are your key takeaways now? We're about, at the time, we were about halfway through the show. And I said, well, what have you learned so far? And most importantly, how are you going to implement that? How are you going to help your team understand it? How are you going to take action on that? And that's something that I think uh, we struggle with a lot. So over the course of this episode, I want to share my key takeaways. Before I dive in, though, I just want to say this. If you don't go to trade shows, I understand your resistance. They can be very salesy. You got vendors popping out from their booths trying to get you to buy this and that and everything else. And I understand. But if you go into it with a certain frame of mind, these things can be incredibly powerful. Even if you just go for a day or two, it really can be worth your while. So let me tell you the best way that I recommend all my clients go into any trade show. Before you go, you have to be really clear on why you're going. What are you trying to learn? What are you trying to solve? Meaning, what problems do you have that you're looking, uh, to which you're looking for solutions? So otherwise, you're just gonna be sold this and that and this and that and this, new plates, new glasses, new equipment, new, new, tech, uh, new tech stack. All of these people are gonna come at you. And I think uh, you can very politely say, no thanks, that's not a problem I'm looking to solve. If you really truly understand what problems you're looking to solve or what problems you're looking to gain insights to, right? So that's one of the key things that anybody I know that does those trade shows, that attends them very successfully, they don't feel overwhelmed. They feel like they got answers to their questions. They got solutions. They got uh, products that they know can help them in the key areas where they look, where they need to be helped. So for anybody who's going to a trade show, you have to sit down and say, what problems am I looking to solve? What and Where am I looking to grow? What opportunities am I looking for? What insights, what learnings? Where are my blind spots? What don't I know? If you just take 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour before you go, even on the plane ride there or on the, the train ride or in the car, and you distill down your thoughts and you, and you get really clear on that, you're gonna have a much better experience. Likewise, on the back end, and you heard some of the people talk about this on episode 227, because I kept asking, how do you implement this? How do you take action? And uh, somebody, uh, one of the guys I interviewed said, you know what, I let everybody take a week. Before we all come and say, we should do this, we should do that, we should do this, they're all going to all different sessions and they're hearing things and they're learning things and they're seeing the way other people do it. But the, this guy had said he gives his entire step a week to distill it all down, to really think through everything they had. And then they all come together, they do a, a brainstorming session for about a, a two hours where they then sit down and put all their chips on the table and say, these are the things I learned. These were some key opportunities I think we should take advantage of. This is something we're not doing. This is a problem that I didn't realize we had until I heard someone describe it in this way. So you gotta go into it the right frame of mind and you need a postmortem. You need something on the back end of the event so you can distill all that information down and come up with clear action items as you come back to real life, as you come back to your restaurant. So that's not a takeaway from my time spent at this show in particular, but I go to a bunch of these trade shows every single year, and uh, and, and so this is my common thread. I've attended them as, as an operator, um, and now I've attended them on the other side, on the uh, on the speaker side. And the people that I see have the, the best experience with it um, do those two things. So you can set yourself up for success, and you can actually learn a great deal 
deal at these things. So that's how to properly sort of handle one of these one of these shows. Now, here are my four key takeaways, and I'm gonna keep these short and sweet. This isn't gonna be a particularly long episode because I know you're busy, you got things to do. My first key takeaway, number one, about Bar and Restaurant Expo, again, happens in Las Vegas every single year in March. My biggest takeaway, number one, was that that show is all about education. Uh, and they put their money where their mouth is. So it's a three-day event that takes place on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But get this, the expo floor isn't even opened until Tuesday. So Monday, the show starts, and they're all just panel discussions, speaker sessions, workshops, master classes. They've literally got like, I don't know, six or seven things going on at any given time. It's an hour here, then you switch rooms. It's another hour, you switch rooms, you have another hour. They switch rooms, you take 45 minutes off, you can go get a bite to eat in the cafeteria or, or go get something to eat. You come back and it's another hour, another hour, another hour. And you just sort of map out which talks you want to hear. And if you're going with your team, which I recommend, bring two, three, four other people because if there are six talks going on at any one point in time, one of you can go to each of those talks and you can cover a lot of ground, take really diligent notes. The biggest takeaway anytime I go, every time I come away from Bar and Restaurant Expo is that it's all about education and they pride themselves on that. They put together an incredible lineup of speakers and I know that sounds uh, that sounds very narcissistic, but it's not. It's I, I'm really humbled to be part of the lineup that exists there. When you see um, who else is speaking, it's really, really incredible. Uh, and and um, many times uh, there were... Uh, friends, colleagues of mine, other people who I really look up to in the industry, and they were giving talks right alongside at the same time that I was giving a talk. And it really bummed me out because those are talks that I would have attended because I know I'll learn something. I'll learn something and be able to go back to my clients and say, you know what I heard? I hadn't thought of it in this way. This is a great way that we can uh, that we can do things, right? That's that's the biggest takeaway, is that that show is all about education. And the attendees who go, and I think there were like 12,000 attendees to this year's show, the attendees who go are all about education, which is um, which is a really great way of saying that they go into it with a, this this sense of humility that that I find um, that I find really touching. People go uh, not thinking they know it all, but saying, I, I couldn't possibly know it all. What can I learn? And it changes the way they go into that show. I try to bring this sort of energy into everything I do um, that I don't know at all. Certainly there's stuff I know, there's uh, experiences, um, expertise that I've gained along the way for over two plus decades of doing this. Undoubtedly, many of you guys listening to this, uh, watching this, uh, will feel the same way. However, if you can adopt that amateur's mindset, that novice mindset and say, great, what don't I know? What new piece of information can I learn? How can I how can I better myself, which is an ultimately going to better my business, better my relationship with my uh, customers, my employees, my family, my community, all of that. It's all about education, right? And so the people who go to that show want to learn. And I think it's really infectious. It's really cool to see. And so if you are of that mindset where you always want to learn, and I'm guessing you are if you're listening to a podcast like this one. I'm guessing this is not the only restaurant podcast you listen to. You're probably listening to entrepreneurship and business and marketing podcasts, trying to better yourself and better your business. A show like a Bar and Restaurant Expo is, is uh, compacted learning. Um, you're you're going to see exponential growth in in the way that you sort of catalyze and synthesize um, really important concepts, and you're going to be able to talk about uh, operations and personnel and uh, and service and and culinary and marketing. They're all there, depending what you want to learn and where you think uh, there's opportunity to grow. So. 
My biggest takeaway, number one, that Bar and Restaurant Expo is all about education, and then it really spills onto the trade show floor. And I've talked to a bunch of uh, sponsors of this show. They were vendors there. I went and stopped by all their booths, and they said it really spills over. It's not just in the conference rooms. It's not just in the lecture halls. But then when the people come down from the lecture halls into the trade show floor, they're asking a lot of questions. They're curious. They're inquisitive. Right. And, and they don't feel like they have to shy away from the vendors. They're there. Um, they're there going right up to the vendors and say, what does your product do and why might I need it? Hey, this is a problem I have. Does your problem solve? The, uh, does your solution solve the problem I have? Uh, and it's a totally different from uh, talking to a lot of vendors and sponsors. They say it's a lot. It's a very different dynamic than a lot of other shows, which is one of the reasons why they love it so much. And again, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. So number one takeaway that bar and restaurant about bar and restaurant expo is that it's a place to go learn. It's a place to be curious and better yourself. And I think that's just awesome. Number two, the number, my, my, my next biggest takeaway was that the atmosphere was electric. Now, part of that is the energy of the show. It used to be called the nightclub and bar show, and then they rebranded it to be the bar and restaurant uh, expo. So it certainly has some of that nightlife, some of that bar energy to it, right? You're gonna have people selling uh, certainly flatware and glassware and equipment and all that, but then you're also having people selling fog machines and uh, and lighting equipment and you know floors that you can install in the in, on your club that looks like you're you know standing on nothing that like you're gonna fall into the floor. You're you've got all kinds of that stuff too, and then different spirit vendors, right? What's the what's the hip hot new uh, spirit there? Certainly there is that element there, but that's not what struck me, right? That's just natural. That's what you get there. And, and it's a party. It's very much fitting that it is in Las Vegas. But what it reminded me of is that the, the atmosphere being electric is that what we do is special, right? We help people celebrate. We help people mark big occasions um, or even just escape the monotony of their lives. And certainly there's a, there's a monotony to all of our lives. There's a sameness. There's a routine. And that doesn't mean it's bad. Um, that just means that sometimes you need a change. That's why instead of cooking at home and making a home-cooked dinner, we go out as consumers, right? Because we are both merchants and consumers. Every so often, we just want to go out and get taken care of. We don't want to prepare food. We don't want to have to clean up later. We just want someone to go make it for us, bring it to us, clear it away. And we pay for that 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 privilege, that luxury, which we'll come back to in a second. But that's one of the things that really struck me is that what we do is extraordinary and not everyone could do it. And the this show, the Bar and Restaurant Expo, was really a celebration of that. And it reminded me that we should be celebrating that. And it's really easy to get stuck in this uh, this place of, you know, oh, you know, labor's up, oh, you know, inflation, fluctuating food prices. And what we do is so hard and 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 you know trying to guard our margins to just just carve out a little bit of profit. And it shouldn't be that. Again, what we do is extraordinary and we should celebrate that. And we should not be afraid to charge for that. We shouldn't be afraid to charge for the experiences that we provide because the experiences we provide are valuable to the people that we serve. That's really, really important. For the most part, I think we can charge more than we do. And, and we're going to get into this in a second because uh, one of the talks I gave was all about this, uh, the difference between the luxury and the commodity mindset. We will dive into that in a second because I want to share with you some of the things uh, that, that struck me having given that talk and then talking to people, um, attendees, uh, people who were in the audience um, and hearing their thoughts on what I was talking about. And I want to share that with you too. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the quick little uh, bullet points of the talk I gave, and then I'm going to share with you a little bit of what uh, was shared with me. 
But really, my second takeaway was that what we do is a celebration. We help people celebrate. We help people mark really big occasions. And I think that's really special. We should celebrate that because not everyone could do it. And I think we should be unafraid to charge a bit more for the extraordinary experiences that we provide. Now, of course, the key there is we have to provide an extraordinary experience. We have to provide the kind of experience that people can't get just anywhere, which is the which is the next thing that I really invite you to do. Make sure you're not creating the experience that exists down the street, right? You can't be just a sub job. You can't be just a pizza shop. You can't be just a slice joint, just a sushi, sushi place. You've got to be the kind of sushi place that doesn't exist anywhere else. That's how you can charge extra for it, by creating something that cannot be gotten anywhere else. Because people can only get it with you, then they'll pay whatever you tell them. It's, it's a simple demand curve. It's this idea of scarcity. We pay for scarcity. It's why early baseball cards are so valuable, because they're scarce. They didn't think they were a big deal. They didn't make that many of them, so there were only a few left. It's the same thing with your restaurant, with all of our restaurants. And so I want what we do to be a celebration every single night rather than a slog. And so one of my key takeaways here is how can I help my clients? How can I help the listeners, all of you out there, treat your business as a celebration? How can I help you create the kind of business that you want to celebrate where it's not a slog? As we go through the rest of 2023, it's gonna be a big theme as we move forward because it's something I wholeheartedly believe that your business should support your life. Your life shouldn't exist to support your business and too many of us have that upside down. So those are my first two key takeaways from my week at Bar and Restaurant Expo. Number one, it was all about education and number two, the environment was electric. It was a celebration of what we do and I hope that spills over. You could feel it in the room that uh, that it's going to spill over beyond Las Vegas and it's going to be something that people put in their suitcase and bring back with them. I hope they uh, learned how to bottle that and bring a little bit of that celebration back. Those are my first two takeaways. I'm going to share with you number three and four after a word from another one of our sponsors. Now, running a restaurant is already a tough job. You're busy keeping customers fed and employees paid while working with razor-thin profit margins. The last thing you should be worried about is if you're doing sales tax right. That's why you should consider automating sales tax for your restaurant point-of-sale system. Collecting and filing tax uh, sales tax on your own can be stressful, can also be time-consuming. It can leave your business vulnerable to accidentally missing tax payments or not having enough money in the bank to cover your tax obligations. Davo by Avalara simplifies sales tax for your restaurant and brings peace of mind through automation to help you pay the full amount you owe on time. Just integrate the Davo app with your existing POS like Clover, Toast, or Square, or Spot On, and then set up your business and banking information. Davo will take sales data from your POS system and determine how much sales tax you collected each day. Then it sends a request to your bank to have your sales tax put into a secure holding account. This keeps your sales tax separate from your revenue and helps reduce potential confusion about available funds. You get a daily email from Davo letting you know exactly how much sales tax was transferred. When your sales tax is due, Davo automatically remits your sales tax to the appropriate authority on your behalf in full and on time. Is your restaurant in a state that does on-time filing discounts? If it is, then Davo will automatically send this refund back to your bank. Don't let sales tax spoil your business. Stay on top of sales tax with automation from Davo by Avalara so you can spend less time in the back office and more time in the front of house. Learn more at davosalestax.com slash restaurant strategy and try Davo free for the first month. That's Davo, D-A-V-O, salestax.com slash restaurant strategy. As always, that link is in the show notes. 
On today's episode, we're talking all about the Bar and Restaurant Expo. It takes place in Las Vegas every single year. I did one of these episodes last year. I love doing it every single year. As we get into this, as we get into this, you have to know, I don't love Las Vegas as a, as a place. Um, I, I didn't have a very hospitable experience last year. Um, I talked about that. I podcasted about it. Um, and, and I was sort of... Um, uh, nervous about going back there this year because I didn't, again, I didn't find it all that hospitable. I found it very uh, expensive. I found the service to be aloof. I found uh, I found it to be a little bit like pushing cattle through to get you to buy $72 entrees. So that was me going into it. And, and largely I had a lot of those experiences as well. Although this year I was able to get off the strip uh, with people who really knew what they were doing and where they were going, and I just sort of followed them, and I had a, I had a really some really cool experiences, which we'll talk about um, at some point. But going into Barn Restaurant Expo, I'm always really excited to go to the show, and a little uh, little trepidatious to go to uh, Las Vegas because again, it's not my favorite place. But I had a much better time this time. Takeaway three and four sort of hooks into that, and it's important to understand that. Takeaway three. This had to do with technology. It has been blisteringly obvious. I've talked about this for four years on this show, but technology is the only way forward. Last year, my talk at Bar and Restaurant Expo was all about the intersection of hospitality and tech, specifically how you can use technology to solve some of our biggest problems and drive revenue, make more profitable restaurants, and create better guest experiences. And guess what? More profit and better guest experiences are not exclusive. They are they go hand in hand. It sounds counterintuitive, right? Because we think we're making more money. That means we're taking more money from our people. The the less money we they part with, the less happy they are. Or the more money they part with, the less, the less happy they are. And it couldn't be further from the truth. People go out to dinner to spend money. The decision is not, should I spend 60 bucks tonight or 80 bucks tonight? The idea, the, the, the thought process is, and, and check with yourself, you do the same thing. The, the, the decision is, should I go out and spend money at all, or should I just save home and uh, stay home and uh, save that money? That's a really important um, insight to come to. It's a, it's a really important um, epiphany uh, that I had a, a couple of years ago. I talked to my clients about this all the time. So people are going out expecting to spend money, and I think we can make sure they have a really great experience. Technology, I believe, is the only way forward. Certainly, I've talked about it on this show. Last year, I gave this talk about hospitality and tech, how we can use technology to actually free up our people to create more hospitable experiences. I stand by that. I bumped into a lot of people at the show who were there at my talk last year who specifically sought me out this year to hear what I had to say, and they were still talking about that talk and about how um, how what they took away uh, from that talk. Maybe I'll share it on this uh, show one day. Maybe I'll just sort of, because uh, I recorded it, maybe I'll just Share the recording so you can uh, so you can listen. Uh, we'll see if anybody cares that much. But technology is the only way forward. The caveat to that is that only when it helps us free up our people, like I said, this intersection of hospitality and tech, if it can free up our people to be more human, to create better service, uh, then it works. And if it's just to replace the humans, I don't know that it will work, certainly not in the long term, because I think uh, this has to do with why people go out to eat in the first place, right? The biggest thing here, part of this takeaway number three, is that now, finally, something had changed. Something shifted in the crowd. Operators and owners are aware of that. And I'm guessing that a lot of people listening to this, um, your feelings on technology this year are way different than it was last year, way different than it was three years ago. 
people now, and not even last year, they weren't really embracing technology in the way that I think they need to. It was the key to my talk uh, because I was able to sort of take a 30,000 foot view, use a lot of really important case studies to uh, to make this this case. But now you can feel the sea change happening, that operators understand that technology is the only way forward, that technology holds the key to help them uh, manage their food costs, manage their labor, uh, reduce their labor, and uh, use their labor, use their people in better ways to create better experiences, meaning drive more revenue, uh, create more, uh, provide uh, better hospitality. That I knew. And now it's really cool watching other people uh, acknowledge that. That was very clear, uh, watching operators approach the tables at different software companies there that are providing, right? When I was there at the spot on desk, when I was there at the seven shifts desk, when I was there at all of these different desks, it was very, very obvious to listen. The conversations were different than they were last year, and that is awesome. So if you're still one of those people who are on the fence about technology, think, oh, I don't want to make it transactional. I don't want to make it cold and unfeeling. You're not. It won't. Trust me. There is a path forward. And I and I urge you to get on board with it. That was the big takeaway is that not only is uh, te technology the path forward, um, all the speakers felt that, all the, the tech vendors felt that, but now you can feel the operators feeling that too. And they understand the importance of understanding their tech stack. How are we processing online orders? How are we uh, taking care of sales tax? How are we taking care of our back office? How are we managing our people and our scheduling and staying, uh, keeping our labor num uh, numbers on target? All of that was very, very clear watching people, uh, watching people do that. Now, my fourth takeaway has to do with one of the talks I gave. So one of the talks I gave was uh, all about the luxury mindset. I've talked about this a little bit on this show, um, but, but I spend a lot of time uh, thinking about commodities versus luxuries, right? So commodity is an ordinary product, a base good, right? Flour, eggs, milk, all things being equal, it doesn't matter which one you choose. And in fact, the commodity mindset says that all things being equal, the consumer will choose based on one of three criteria, familiarity, convenience, or price. And so I gave this talk and it has nothing to do with luxury products. It has to do with learning from the best luxury brands in the world, like Hermes, like Aston Martin, like Krug, to understand what do they do to create scarcity? What do they do to generate, you know, 400, 500, 600% markups and more, right? I give the story in my talk about the Hermes uh, Birkin bag, most famous handbag in the world. It starts at $35,000 and it costs the company roughly about $900 to make. So $900 to make, they sell it for $35,000. That's incredible. Why can they do this extraordinary markup? That was sort of the conversation in my talk, investigating that, understanding that. What became very obvious, because I got some pushback from some people in the audience, said, well, I just serve a pizza place. And I love it when people say that because I use Defara. Defara Pizza is in Midwood, Brooklyn. That was my old neighborhood when I lived in Brooklyn. And in Brooklyn, and I've, I've said this before uh, in talks, but in Brooklyn, the average uh, cheese pizza, right, a, a cheese pie, um, is about $17. And yet Defara Pizza, famous Defara Pizza, charges $30 for their large plain pie. So 17 is the going rate, they charge 30. Why can they get away with charging twice as much? Certainly they're famous. Certainly they're a, a legacy brand, right? They're not a luxury product, but when we think of pizza, we think it's a cheap food. $30 for eight slices of pizza is still kind of cheap. Yeah, not as cheap as $17, but we're not talking about spending $35,000 on a purse. So they've applied this luxury mindset to their product and we can look at all different products and do that. Basically, my challenge to the room was how do we 
create products that people will go out of their way for, products that people will pay extra for. And I think that's a really important, uh, really important conversation because that's ultimately what we're doing because all things being equal, and if you've got a product that is equal to another similar product, then the consumer will make their choice based on one of those cr three criteria, convenience, familiarity, or price. Meaning they go to the one that's closest, they go to the one they know, or they go to the one that's cheapest. And when we do that, we get into a death spiral and it ends up being a race to the bottom. And we keep going lower and lower and lower to try to undercut the competition. Seth Godin famously says, uh, price is the last refuge of a marketer who doesn't know what else to do. If you're only using price, if you're only competing on price, you're missing so many other uh, interesting levers and tools that you can use, right? So how can we convince? How can you charge twice for your pizza and still convince people that it's worth it, that it's worth the extra that it's worth the extra cost, that it's worth going out of your way for that pizza. That's largely what Defara does. Defara is in the middle of Brooklyn. It's it's sort of in a in a sort of no name little neighborhood. It's not famous, not convenient to get to for most of Brooklyn, and yet they get people coming out there and spending extra for it. So I I put that forward to uh, I put that forward to the group. And now I said I was going to bring this around to my experience of Vegas. Here's the example, and this is, I gave this example when I was, uh, when I was on stage, because people said, well, you know, uh, we're not talking about a luxury good or whatever, you know. I said, no, we're talking about the luxury mindset. I said, there are plenty of luxury items, luxury goods, that are actually a commodity. The perfect example is there in Vegas. You've got all these like fancy, shiny hotels, fancy restaurants that charge a fortune for dinner, and they're just a commodity. They're just the same as every other restaurant on the Strip. Certainly, there are exceptions, but for the most part, the hundreds of restaurants up and down the Strip, they are luxury products that are actually playing a commodity game. And I found that really interesting. When I said that, uh, a lot of these ideas started clicking with the, pe with the people in the audience. It's not about creating a luxury product. It's not about creating a truffle and caviar pizza. It's about creating a pizza that people are willing to pay a little bit extra for and are willing to go out of their way for. If you do that, you will have a very successful business. All up and down the strip, it's a bunch of luxury products that are actually playing a commodity game. And one night I went out on a food crawl. So one of the guys I, uh, I, I was out there with, uh, another uh, speaker, uh, a guy named Rev Ciancio, he's been on this podcast a couple of times. Uh, I adore this guy and he knows Vegas certainly much better than I do. And so we put together uh, a food crawl of like four or five different places. And so we started at Dumplings, then we went for pizza, then we went, you know. The pizza place was a perfect example. It was a place called the Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf is in a strange part of town. It's not necessarily where you'd get out and, and decide to hang out. It's a dive bar. It's like a punk tiki bar. So it's got all sort of like tiki decorations and like weird like punk rock posters and it's really dimly lit and sort of dingy. We went in there, we had such a phenomenal time and they're special, they specialize in Detroit style pizza, which uh, full admission here, I'd never had, 42 years on this planet, I've never had Detroit-style pizza before. 
Oh my gosh, this stuff is so good. Everybody in Detroit, uh, I'm so sorry. Um, you guys, uh, you guys have figured something out. It was awesome. Um, it's made with like a Wisconsin brick cheese, sometimes with mozzarella as well. Um, it's a square. Uh, it's like a rectangular pizza. They serve in a, uh, that they bake in a special kind of tin. Um, it's not thick and 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 dense like a Sicilian pizza. Um, it's almost like a focaccia. And then they put cheese all the way around the side, and so the cheese gets really cr uh, crunchy, gets crispy while it bakes. And so you get like the soft dough and the uh, and, and sort of the salinity of the cheese, the fattiness, and then the crispiness of the cheese that's baked on the side. Dude, it was awesome. Beyond that, I was also blown away by the service. Service was the guy comes in, we were at, the, I don't know, there were 20 of us or 25 of us. Bartender comes out and he says, hey, uh, this is how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna just run separate tabs for everybody. We were like, what? That's so much work. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but it'll be easier for you. It'll be better for you in the long run. Uh, it, it, I, I don't mind it. That guy did not have to do it. He could have gone right to Rev, Rev who was organizing the event, and he said, hey, listen, you all gotta go on one tab, you guys sort it out later. That would have been the easier thing to do. He made his life harder, but he also knew it was gonna make our experience better. It was awesome. So here is seemingly a commodity place, right? Just a dive bar. But they made it a sort of uh, differentiated dive bar. Again, this punk tiki theme. Differentiated further, by serving Detroit-style pizza. That's what they were famous for. Differentiated further by having this really hospitable service. It was awesome. I'm talking about it. Rev's still talking about it. We talked about it on Monday's episode of the show. And here we are. Thousands and thousands of people are now learning about Red Dwarf, learning about Detroit-style pizza, learning about places to go when you're, uh, when you're in Vegas but want to get off the strip. Again, it's a it's another commodity product that was actually adopting a luxury mindset, and man, it was awesome to see. So it was sort of my talk playing out in real time, um, and we, I was able to share a lot of that stuff with the people who came up to me after the talk, or the people who asked questions towards the end of my talk, and, and it was awesome to see. So again, those are my four big takeaways from Vegas. Number one, it's all about education. You, you, show, uh, you show up curious and humble, and just try to learn as much as you can. Uh, number two is that it's a celebration. Not everyone can do what we do, and I think we should celebrate that. I think we should be unafraid to charge extra for that. You see how that ties in to takeaway number four that I just shared with you. Uh, takeaway number three is that technology is the only way Way forward and it's great seeing operators uh, acknowledge and embrace that they're they're approaching uh, the vendors they're approaching this task with with verve and vigor and then finally my fourth takeaway was uh, about this luxury and commodity mindset it was a talk that uh, that's really near and dear to my heart I love giving this talk and it was just it was just so obviously on display um, while I was there. Those are my four takeaways from Bar and Restaurant Expo. Again, it happens every March. I will be back out there next March, and I hope to see many of you guys. I want to leave you with one final thought. Again, if you're curious to learn more about my P3 Mastermind, I work with owners and operators all over the world. We've got two groups. We are actually just about to fill up the, uh, both of those groups, and we're opening up a third and a fourth group starting in June. We're probably just going to fill these up all at once, and then when they're filled, they are going to be closed, and that's going to be all that I'm going to bring on through the rest of the year. So if you want to get in on those uh, on those groups, I urge you to please set up a free strategy session with me. It's a 30-minute coaching call where I get to learn more about you and your business. We'll coach through some things. I'll tell you more about the program. You'll ask some questions. We'll see if you're a good fit for the program. If you want to join us, we can talk about the next steps. I promise you this group works. we got 25 people in one group and about 20 
well, 19 or 20 in the other group. We cap them strictly at 25. So we're going to open the two other groups in June. If you want to be in those groups, you have to get in touch with me, set up a call. That's what I'm doing all April and May. I am filling up those two groups and I want to fill them up all in one go so that they're done. They're good to go. And then we can take a breath and figure out where we go from there. We're helping tons of operators all over the world build more profitable businesses. And if you need help with profitability, I would love to help you. I appreciate you guys being here as always. And I will see you next time.